welcome to the F1 Funcast, the Formula One podcast made to entertain, educate, and inform all Formula One fans on all things Formula One. Here are your hosts, James, the race leader, Messer, next weekend, or this weekend, or whenever, and Connor, the crew chief, Gagnon. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. So without further ado, here is the F1 Funcast. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the F1 Funcast on uh, this Monaco race week. We've had a little time since we've talked to everyone out there in the world of motorsport with some heavy rains taking out the Italian, the Imola Grand Prix last weekend, but here we are ready to rock and roll for Monaco week, and with me as always, we've got Connor, the crew chief, Gagnon. Say hello to the people out there, Connor. Oh man, it's good to be back. I'm sorry for the long hiatus. Like I've said in a previous episode, it's sometimes a little difficult for us to coordinate being on opposite sides of the country. Um... But we're here now, and we're looking forward to Monaco and the triple header we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So it should be a good time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be great. And um, you know, Connor and I have been talking behind the scenes a little about getting a little bit more structured with our release dates and recording dates. So hopefully, we won't have these these long layoffs as much in the future. But again, the the weather and the scheduling didn't really um, lend for podcasting too much over the past week, anyway. So. Um, not too much missed there. And, uh, why don't we just jump into what we did miss though, in terms of what happened last weekend in, um, in Italy there, Connor, what was your take on how F1 handled that, that race weekend? Well, I think they handled it pretty, pretty well. Um, they were quick to make a decision. I mean, look, just looking at the pictures of the track and just the surrounding area too. the entire town, uh, Emilia Romagna was really flooded and they were suffering a lot of like mudslides and torrential rain, like just unbelievable amounts of rain. Um, the paddock itself was flooded where they have all the motorhomes and like, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, so I think that it probably would have been, kind of a slap in the face to the locals if they had gone through with the race um kind of put this the show over the well-being of the surrounding area sure i mean think about yeah you've got a very glitzy and glamorous grand prix coming to town while the rest of the town is underwater and trying to find their way out that would not be a good look and yeah it would definitely not be a good look if you're trying to still you know it just shows that money is more um, important than anything else. And I think it was definitely the right call for them to postpone it or at least or cancel it. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask, are they, have you heard any talk about rescheduling or is it just off the, off the schedule altogether for 2023? I think it's, it's off the schedule altogether. Um, they have two more years left on their contracts, but I think what's probably going to happen is they'll add another year onto that contract just to make up for this one um that makes as sense. kind of like a compensation yeah that makes that sense. way I mean, they don't lose out on the sponsorship money and all that money that they have to drum up every year to host the race so plus it, it's it's a fantastic track for the drivers and all the drivers love that track it might not be the best for passing but um the drivers absolutely love 
driving that track. So the, I think it's a great thing to have it uh, extended one more year. Yeah, so all in all, I think it was a good call to to shut it down as quickly as they did. Some people said they could have called it even earlier, but I think they were pretty quick uh, to cancel. And it, it's a, it's um, an important thing that, that Formula One shows that they're not putting themselves above their fans or above the safety of, of the local communities. And I think overall, in a tough situation, I think uh, F1 did pretty well to do right by their fans and the local communities at the same time. You know, worst case. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, like you said, they, I mean, they could have canceled it earlier, but it was just supposed to be rain, and they can race in the rain. Although <laughs> we've had several occasions <laughs> lately where it seems like they can't. Um, but I think that they made the right judgment call once they saw just how bad it was getting. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, if, as long as they tack on another race to that contract, I'm sure the people there will be excited to see them come back next year. And um, I saw uh, Alphatari and Yuki Sonoda. Are they based in the local area there? Because they were out squeegeeing the roads, and Yuki Sonoda especially was uh, all over social media with his. He stayed behind Formula One and really helped clean up the the local um, area in and around that track. So I thought that was pretty neat that uh, the Alphatari crew. They might be based in that area, but they they stuck around and helped literally squeegeeing you know water off the uh off the streets and off into the to the gutters and things which is neat neat to see you know yuki's only about five foot yeah, three absolutely. himself he's almost underwater in some of those uh some of those photos but pretty- yeah well i mean alphatari is based in the area they're formerly uh scuderia toro rosso um which is like a it's still been the red bull b team basically but it has been for years now um, but they are based in Italy, pretty close to where Imola is. So, as much as it's a home race for Ferrari, I think it's an even closer to home race for Alfatari. Yeah, yeah, and interesting. And um, and how do you say the the area? Is it Imola Romagna? Is that the the town itself? Imola. Rom- it's it's uh, Emilia Romagna. Emilia Romagna. Um, okay. I I'm probably I'm. Also, I'm probably butchering that anyways. Um, but it's almost like a state within um, – well, it's, it's based in San Marino. San Marino is – I think it's – I think it's its own country within Italy. It's either that or if or it's a separate state within Italy. I think it has its own everything. So I think it's a separate little country that's in Italy. I don't know how that works or if that's at all factual. But um, that's just my best guess. I because I, I mean, if you look at it on like Google Earth, I always pan around Google Earth looking at the F one tracks, and every time I try and find uh, Imola, it's nestled into San Marino, which is just plopped there in the middle of Italy. So I mean, and it looks like its own it looks like it's its own entity. So I have no idea. No idea. It shows how little, you know, once we get out of the States, how little idea these different countries <laughs> all. And I'm sure if someone were to look here and they'd say, you know, it's a county in a state, in a, a city, in a county. How does that all work? It's it's all very confusing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I never knew Formula One would be such a good geography um, booster shot for, uh, for remembering how these states, you know, it's such a worldwide sport that you do get to kind of look at, like you said, look at the globe, look at Google Earth and, and see some places and areas. And 
it's a geography study in some ways following these teams around but let's see so yeah absolutely agreed so i just wanted to before we we dive into the main course with uh with monaco this week and i know we have a lot to catch up on and look forward to but i just want to let the listeners know one of the one of the changes we're making here at the f1 funcast is going to be a little bit more of a focus on the historical aspects of formula one the interesting rivalries or teams and and things that you could come back and listen to a year from now or two years from now because the formula one podcasting world you're going to have a million previews of monaco this week and a million recaps of monaco and we'll touch on those but i think for us in our niche and our niche and um kind of what what i enjoy is learning about the history of the sport and building that knowledge and so what we've decided to do here is really grab onto the more historical events in Formula One history. And we'll be doing podcasts about those. Like we did our 2005 U.S. Grand Prix episode. There's going to be more about those. And, and just interesting dates and times and people in Formula One history are going to be kind of more of our cup of tea with a little bit of a lighter look at the current, you know, week by week standings and teams and things like that. If that, if that makes sense to you, did I explain that well enough? Yeah, I th- I think, you know, obviously we're still going to be doing like trying do like weekly race recaps and race previews, but in in the middle of all that, we're also going to try and throw in some historical stuff um that it could pertain to each Grand Prix or it could just be something we just want to talk about that we find interesting. Um and just to try and grow people's knowledge of the sport and the history behind it. Um so yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff going on it's not just going to be the race previews and it's not just going to be historical stuff it's all going to be kind of mixed into one thing and i think it's going to be pretty fantastic yeah i think it's going to be great and i think for for me personally i'm going to really enjoy getting that that deeper knowledge you know if you follow week to week you don't get that historical knowledge so it's um i'm looking forward to it and we've got a we've got a little list here we'll go over it later but we've got some topics and what we'll do is I've got a, a big wheel, like a Wheel of Fortune wheel here. And I've got the topics all on a wheel. And we'll give it a spin. And that'll give us our homework for the weekend. And next week we'll talk to you about that uh, that topic that comes up. And if you're out there listening and you have good topics for us, let us know. We'll throw it on the wheel. Or um, if something comes up, you know, in, in real time, we'll always be willing to add new subjects and new ideas to our, uh, to our topic list. So... With that out of the way, I think um, I think we should let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. What do you What do you think we talk a little Monaco race week? Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk Monaco. All right. Well, I mean, as we know, heading into Monaco, Red Bull is is pulling away from the field here a little bit, um, but that doesn't mean there's not intrigue to be found in the next two three teams down the grid, uh, especially with a lot of upgrades that were supposed to be coming in Imola making their first appearance this upcoming weekend in Monaco, I have a feeling we might be seeing some interesting um, qualifying times, some interesting practice times, and it should be the first big shakeup of the year so far in terms of uh, car upgrades and shakeups. And uh, what, what do you think, Chief? Will we see some changes at the top of the grid? Is there? What do you expect to see happening this week at Monaco? I I honestly I might have to disagree with you a little bit here, uh-huh. um, and I think it's because 
you know, I understand these teams have upgrades they want to bring to their cars, but I don't I don't think Monaco is necessarily the place that you want to do it, considering that the margin for error at Monaco is so fine. I mean, you're surrounded by guardrails the entire lap, and it's just you're millimeters from the wall all the time. And one little mistake, and your upgrades are out the door. Plus, you don't really get a great baseline because it's not a track like we'll see in like Barcelona next week um, where they're actually able to really get good data points for their cars. I mean, this is very much a high, high downforce track. Um, It's, I I don't know. I I think the order will be shaken up a little bit. I'm not sure who's going to be on pole. Leclerc's always had magic around Monaco. Um, As far as qualifying goes, he's been, much less successful when it comes to the race. Um, last year, he just did not have any luck on his side either with the strategy calls. But I, I think that a lot of the teams are going to be we going to be waiting until Barcelona to bring the majority of their upgrades. I still think we'll see some upgrades on their cars in Monaco, but I don't think it's going to be quite as extensive extensive as what we'll see in Barcelona. So that's that's interesting. So. Let's say you were a team and you had upgrades ready to go last week for Imola. Do you think you might hold off? Are you saying you could hold off on... on... I think that it would. a lot of the teams might hold off just because there's not going to be a huge increase in performance difference when you're going around a straight circuit like Monaco. Right. Um, just because of the nature of the track itself. It has nothing to do with if the upgrades are going to work or not. I mean, maybe they'll stick something on the cars on Friday for a practice session or something like that, but um, just to get them kind of like, I don't know, like a dry, a dry run, I guess. Right. And get maybe like a little bit of data, but it's going to be so insignificant compared to what you'll get at a track like Barcelona where they do their winter testing too. Um, Good point. That's where... Good point you'll have that data point from the winter testing sessions and then you'll see where your car is now after you bring all your upgrades to the same track that you had the testing at the beginning of the year. So would you say Monaco, I know it's it's uh, it's basically a procession every year and, and pole position means a yeah, lot. Yeah, sadly. Would you say that um, it's one of the slower, is it a slow, slow lap at Monaco? I mean, I know it's narrow and it's winding, is it a slow track compared to a wide open, like you said, out in um, Barcelona? Is it just uh, you're not going to well, get enough? You're not going to get enough data if you're going around Monaco, as opposed to where you had a more wide open track where you can really let it out. Um, I'm not really sure. I think it's more just because Monaco is so confined, and like I said before, the margin for error around Monaco is so fine. Right. I mean, right. Like I said, there's one little mistake. You take too much of a curb and you're in the wall or you get too close to a wall and you blow out the toe link on your front corner and it sends you into another wall. And it's just, it's very, very tricky. And it's just, I don't know. I wouldn't want to bring a brand new upgrade that I've just spent millions of dollars developing to a track where it could take some damage and I'm not going to get a lot of data from it anyways. So Excellent point. That's a that's a very good point. So, I guess with that and the upgrades kind of off to the side, what um, what do you see? Do you see any advantages for any of the midfield or second tier teams to kind of put, close the gap up to Red Bull at all, or is this um, 
you know, do you see any teams on the grid that have a distinct advantage over their direct competitors, or is this going to be a free-for-all and qualifying position really is the most important thing this weekend? You know, well, qualifying is qualifying is always the most important around Monaco. I mean, it's unless we have a strategy blunder like we had last year, where Ferrari decided it wanted to wait until it was way too late to switch over onto slicks from intermediates when everybody else was right. rapidly outpacing them, and it absolutely ruined what could have been a one-two finish for Ferrari and Monaco. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. Speaking it of uh, Ferrari, I don't know, and not to not to get in the rumor mill too much, but I don't know if you saw some of the stuff going around about Lewis, Lewis Hamilton yeah, getting some massive contract, giving him a little <laughs> wink and a nod. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I mean, does it make but sense? Who would, for... But who would leave? Right. Would they get rid of Leclerc because Leclerc is the undisputed number one at the team right now? Right. Um, and uh, I'm I'm sorry. I need to get back to your other to the point before we'll we'll come right back to this but i just wanted to say that i as far as the midfield goes this weekend i think it is going to be kind of a crapshoot um i think it it's all going to come down to qualifying there's you're going to be dealing with a lot of traffic around monaco um, while you're trying to get in a qualifying lap so you have to factor that in um the cars are very large nowadays so you know it makes a even a tighter track that much tighter. Um, right. Right. It's, I would love some smaller cars around Monaco again, because I think it would make the cars look so quick around Monaco. But um, yeah, I think that the midfield is kind of all to play for. It's going to be interesting to see what the top three teams do. Um, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin. So I guess you could say the top four. Um, Ferrari has generally been the past few years really good around this track. Um, something it's just something about the way their their car works, and they can really get to grips with it around Monaco, especially with Leclerc. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm 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 pumped, and I'm hoping for a good qualifying session. Yeah, I think I think like we've said a couple times, the qualifying is really the whole the whole race, and uh, it should be exciting. And it's always exciting after we've had a little bit of a layoff and get those cars back out on track and see what's going on. Um, it's, it's going to be fascinating too, because they're, like you said, there's a lot, there's a lot at stake for those midfield teams and there's not too much separation. So it, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'd put my money if I had any. To I put. don't know either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited. I, I truly am very excited about this weekend. Um, and the qualifying, like, and like you said, maybe we'll see some upgrades on the free practices and then. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it's been a while and a lot of buzz around this race and it's very exciting. And uh, do you have any predictions besides a Red Bull one two? Do you see anything? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would be sold in a Red Bull one two. I know I'm a Ferrari guy, but I think with their history the past few years at that track, they have just as good of a chance as anybody to snatch pole. And once you're on like the front two or three spots, you know. It's kind of kind of your race to lose. So it's just something about Ferrari's car goes well. At my, is it the drivers? Is it the car? Is it the setup? What? Why do they do well there and then struggle? You know, um, to in in other 
What would it be about a certain track that would appeal to a car? Is it the, the car setup mostly? Is it the drivers really like the track and they do well there? Is it a combination of all of it? Yeah, I, I think it's... I mean, the Ferrari has been really good at getting traction out of corners. Um, they're very good at, at that. Um, they have very good low-down torque out, out of their engines. And, you know, the Rebel, you see them pulling away on the straights because they're so slippery, but the Ferrari tend tends to have an advantage coming out of a corner because it can it can get the grips with the tires and not um you know they have a really good way of getting the traction down um getting the power down and actually like getting after it on the throttle instead of just sitting there spinning your wheels or sliding around um and it's all about the balance of the car and the suspension setups as well but they've just been very very good at having that out of corner speed, I guess I would call it. Right. Um, when you're where when you're exiting a corner in that phase of the corner, when you're starting to accelerate again, they have very good ability to get the most out of the car at that phase. It's not just not just rip it on the straights, and uh, you know, this it is a track that you need a lot more finesse around those corners. And oh, it's 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 intense watching an onboard lap. It's it's definitely not something for the faint of heart, and there's a reason why. I hate that track every time it comes up on like one of the Formula One games because I know it's just going to be a crash fest. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hit, be hitting like every, there's gonna be mark paint marks on every single square inch of that wall that goes around the track. You know, I thought about doing some online Formula One racing on on Twitch, and it's like people don't want to see me rear-ending people and then restarting races forty times in a row. And <laughs> you know, but that's I mean. That's the way it goes. Well, once I get once I get my wheel set up, you and I can run some races. I think that'd be fun to do. That would be fun. It would be cool to get a even like a group or season or something going. You know, getting getting a few people oh, yeah. and uh, all of that. But yeah, it's exciting. So Monaco is Sunday, and also this weekend we have stateside the Indy Five Hundred. Is that right? That's this the Great American Race, and that is—is is that Sunday as well? Is that a doubleheader for us? It is Sunday. It's it's basically a doubleheader. So you know, you'll have Monaco in the morning, our time, um, and then by the time that's wrapped up, not too long after that, the 500 starts. So talk to me about the Indy 500 a little bit. What uh, heading into this year's Indy 500? What are what what would a newbie like me need to know for the 2023 Indy 500? Who's who's at the top? Who's making a push? What uh, what's on the well, table? It's anything can happen. It's a 500 mile race. Anything can happen. Um, you really don't know who's got a really good shot until like the last 30 laps or so. Um, obviously, there's guys that are out front all all day long, and then a yellow comes out or and it messes with their fuel strategy and all. You know, there's so many different things that can happen. And it all seems to happen right at the end of a race, and the race, the racing at the end is always phenomenal. I mean, these guys are going like 220 miles an hour, 230 miles an hour, flat out all the time, really pushing, dipping and diving all over the place, trying to, you know, they're just, it's a whole nother breed of racing. Uh, it's and it's intense to watch in its own right. There's a lot of um, strategy involved, just like there is in Formula One. I mean, you have to plan your move because you know the guy's going to get right back behind you and he's going to get all that draft and come right back by you at some point, maybe a lap or two later or the same lap, depending. Um, 
Right. Alex Plo, he's the pole sitter this year. Um, okay. So the way they do qual the way they do qualifying is they do like a four lap average. And it's like one car does does a run at a time, and they do a four lap average speed. And over the course of four laps, his average speed was two hundred and thirty four point two miles an hour. Jeez, really? So yeah, so they're <laughs> they're moving, and but that's in qualifying trims, so they'll be a little bit slower. Plus, they'll have more fuel on board uh, for the race. But I mean, you can imagine the kind of speeds that these guys are carrying. I mean, they're they're getting up to two hundred forty two miles an hour on the back straight. So that, well, that was one of the first things I was going to ask. Is you know the the difference in in qualifying. I thought they'd be qualifying this weekend, so they've already qualified. They've already um yep gone through they've got their positions oh yeah oh that's i like that i like the average speed through four laps as a uh as a marker that's interesting and then it's it's you it's unique i think it's unique to indianapolis i think they do it at the other oval tracks as well um but i it's nothing like it is at indy now is this the same this is the same indy motor speedway that the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix had uh, yes. got all chewed up on, huh? That's interesting. Have they have they fixed that corner down there yet, or was that just a one year? They've they've repaved they've repaved the track at least once since then. Um, I can't remember when the last repaving was, but <laughs> it, it's 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 in much better shape. How many uh, how many people do they get at the Indy 500? Like, is it? Uh, I know it's a premier event, but I mean, is that? Taking up the whole weekend down there is that a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand for the weekend? You think, if you had to guess? Um. So, from what I'm seeing, they're seeing upwards of two hundred fifty thousand people Whoa. on a race day. Uh, close, clo- closer to three hundred thousand on a race day. That's like a Taylor Swift concert. Jeez. That's, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's insane. Three hundred thousand. Like when when you when you tune in, I mean, you'll see they'll show the stands, and it's just it's a sea of people. It's and who, it's absolutely insane. Who would you say are the most popular teams on the on that circuit right now? Is it is there a lot of crossover with Formula One? I know, like I see McLaren race and all that, but yep, McLaren, Aero McLaren SP, um, they're there. Um, let's see, you've got Chip Ganassi. AJ Fort Racing, Andretti, um, and some other smaller teams that are more like just it's kind of like a like a midfield team in Formula One. Um, There's smaller teams, not a lot going on there, but because of all these cars being identical, except for what engine you choose to use and what setup you end up running, it's all down to the driver, the guy in the cockpit. Um, that gets the performance out of the car. So, on a lot of race days, it's anybody's game. It, it's you know, there's obviously more favored drivers, but for the most part, it's pretty wide open as far as um, who ends up getting the win. You can't really choose between three drivers. It's more like choosing from ten drivers. Oh, that's good. I like that. So it's more of a stock car type setup in terms of you got. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I figured it was more like Formula One where they could tweak them and, and have their own kind of unique bits and parts and everything. But I kind of like the, the more standardized racing with. So you said they can only change this car setup in the engine manufacturer. Is that 
Like the- yeah, so they have Honda and and, and Chevy and engine suppliers. I believe they're like two point six liter twin turbo V sixes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have. Uh, they have push to pass, which is instead of DRS, um, it's kind of like what the Formula One used to have with Kurs, um, where they could deploy a certain amount of battery during the lap, um, and it would give you like an extra 150 horsepower. But in IndyCar, you have a certain number of seconds that you can use it for, and it gives it to you in like 15, 20 second bursts. So oh, that's... It, it's kind of, it adds an extra element of strategy because you can use it all defending early on in the race, but then have nothing at the end to defend yourself or you can save it all for the end and just go on attack or defend or whatever you want to do with it. So, Oh, that's pretty neat. That's, it's, that's, uh, yeah. so it's up to your discretion and it's a big strategy yep. point where you're going to, where you're going to burn that off kind of, huh? Exactly. Interesting. So I've got to ask then, since we're talking IndyCar a little bit, do you have a particular Indy 500 or a year or a race that like a racing fan must know about this Indy 500 event, this race, you know, 2002, 1971? Is there one that's like considered the greatest Indy 500 of all time? Do you know that off the top of your head? Or I mean, not off the top of my head. I do know there's definitely been a few just unbelievable finishes. Um, I remember... I can't remember if it was Michael or Marco Andretti. He was a rookie, whatever year it was. It was his first Indy 500, and he was going to win the race up until, like, the last lap. He he got passed right at the line. Huh. Um, he, it was like a drag race to the finish line, and he just lost out, and he came in second. Um, then 2011, there was another rookie, J.R. Hildebrand, that was leading – and he was ahead by a, a good amount. Um, could have coasted to the finish line. He was going around the fourth corner, and he was going around some traffic, some lap traffic, got up into the dirty the dirty part of the track where all the marbles are, and drifted up into the wall coming off the last corner. Uh. <laughs> he got, and he got beat to the line. He was like a couple hundred yards away from winning as a rookie in the Indy 500. He just wow. – pancaked it rookie move yeah uh that's a bummer. so uh that's a bummer i was actually it's funny you say that about the close race because i was looking at uh adding some topics to our list and i almost put on our list the closest formula one finish ever there was uh i was watching the highlights of it it was back in like the i forget when it was like the 60s but it was a photo finish in a formula one event it's pretty pretty fascinating that's what you want to see something we'd like to see more of huh yeah you know we've talked about it offline a little bit about how these cars are just having a hard time catching each other and and, uh getting clean air and and finding room to to pass and to race it seems like this year we're looking at a lot of um you know processions or just barely any passing in the midfield which is a shame but um yeah we're working you know that, that comes and goes and in a couple of years maybe we'll be right back to that that nose to tail type of stuff but it's tricky this year. i hope so it seems like they're just there's a lot of more dirty air and a lot we, we've talked about it with the uh 
with all the ground effects stuff too in, in the floors and it's just uh, hopefully I don't think we'll see too much passing this week this weekend in Monaco but maybe we'll get some in definitely not <laughs> in the Indy 500 might have some in store for us so I I would I know this is a Formula One podcast but I would recommend that anybody who's a fan of motorsports to watch the Indy 500 because it is it truly is one of the greatest spectacles in racing and that's what I'm I'm definitely the, into it from the newbie from the newbie standpoint in terms of spectacle racing spectacle i can't wait to see it you know i can't wait to really sit down and watch a full indy 500 um yeah and and i say i say that because like i'm just i'm a fan of motorsports in general as a whole um i think that you know i i follow so many different disciplines but I just think that the the kind of intensity that IndyCar brings, um, and the fact that it's really any anyone's game, um, it's it makes it that much more interesting to watch instead of thinking, oh, I wonder what th- what one of three drivers is going to win today. You have right. a whole whole lot more options. Right. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah, I mean, I don't know any of the drivers, so I'll be totally. It'll be like. Uh, picking from random names you know random uh i don't know there won't be a favorite there won't, i won't have any bias going into the race which will be fun to watch from that point of view and um i i generally don't have bias i just watch it because the racing is fantastic um so yeah definitely do do the monaco indy 500 uh back to back this weekend it's gonna be fun i know i'm probably gonna be doing that on sunday so yeah i think i think i'm planning on uh, really opening up the uh the social media and a lot of so i don't know if i, I don't know if i even told you but we definitely should we're on to the uh twitch and youtube now too so pretty much anywhere are you yeah yeah so i've been messing around with the twitch i actually uh I played some baseball on there the other day on Twitch. I almost got no hit, but that's a different story. I had <laughs> one hit three innings. Anyway, um, but I like it. And so we're going to be on a really big social media this weekend in terms of I'm going to try to watch the Indy 500 live, maybe do like a live stream during that and question I'll, and answer. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on with you too because I, I have a – I have a Twitch, so I should be able to jump on pretty easily. Yeah, I think I think that would be great, and I think uh, same for qualifying and probably for Monaco for the whole race. And uh, I, I'd like to even get some of these podcasts posted on YouTube and and get some. I, I feel like this weekend we'll have some interaction with the listeners and people who have been checking in in real time for the first time in a while, which will be nice because yes, we've had so many. Delays. I, I I hope so because I know that we have a lot of people out there listening, and it would be fantastic to interact with you guys and hear what you have to say about the not just the podcast but the sport in general and maybe just motorsport just talk motorsport or talk formula one all of it and we'll answer your questions all of it yeah like you said we're a formula one podcast but really i'm interested in learning as much as i can about racing in general and different types and different classes so don't feel like if you don't know enough about formula one not to jump on we talk about anything really um during during that weekend and it's just fun you know people are sitting at home they're watching stuff and uh it's it's a lot of fun to have something on a sunday to to do with a group of people or um you know people you maybe you haven't met but you've met online and they become acquaintances and and they're from all over the world which is really neat um it it really is i mean i keep looking at the map that 
it shows where people are listening and it's it's amazing to see yeah i'll send you the latest one it is amazing and if you're out there and you're listening from you know if you want to think you're the farthest point listener send us where you're listening from and we'll see if we can get uh maybe we'll start a tracker on the instagram of who our farthest farthest listener is yeah you know that'd be pretty cool just to just to see if anyone wants to up each other and uh, go down to antarctica and listen to an episode or something um yeah but so, so go ahead. So to move on, should we should we touch on some of the topics that might be on our our uh, wheel of history? Well, that's it. That's what I was just about to kind of let everyone know what our next our our next um, segment is, which is like you just said, our wheel of <laughs> our wheel of history. Which I have to uh, I have to take give some credit for this idea to a podcast I listen to. It's called Rob and Akiva Nita Podcast. And each week they have thousands of topics. And each week they do a random number generated topic. And, you know, they talk about pop. Oh, that's pretty cool. Pop culture and movies and things like that. And I thought we would apply that to our little Formula One podcast here. That's a great idea. Yeah. So what we've done so far, I think we have a list of about 25 or so topics. 25. And we can always ask. We'll just give them a run of the top 10. Why don't you give them a... Do you have it in front of you? I do. Yeah, why don't you give them a rundown of the top 10? So our top 10 ideas, just to give you a taste of what we're diving into here. Um, we have the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2010, which was the title decider that year. The story of Braun GP. Spain in 2016. The rise of Max Verstappen. Michael Schumacher episode, which is... I'm looking forward to that as a Tafosi. That's going to be an awesome episode. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Singapore 2008, which was F1's first night race and all the controversy that surrounded that race. 2008 Brazil, which is another crazy title decider. Nicky Lada's comeback after his fire at the Nürburgring in 1976, which is immortalized by the movie Rush. Lewis Hamilton in his McLaren years when he first got into the sport in 2007 and then on to his Mercedes era where, frankly, he just dominated. <laughs> kind of the before and after, before becoming a Jedi. Yes. And then afterwards, yeah. <laughs> Joining the dark side, right? Joining the dark, exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, and those are those are the ideas. And if you out there have ideas you want us to tack on to the list, you know, we have more. But if, if you... Please, please send them in. Send them in. We'd like to get this up because each one of these numbers up represents an episode, which represents a podcast, which, you know, we're looking at 25 now. That should get us right into the end of the season. So that's pretty good. The, 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 more, the more that we do, the more we grow and the more you guys get to listen to and share and enjoy. That's right. That's right. So... You think, do you want to, uh, should we do our first inaugural spin of the wheel here? I've got pulled up my, my random yeah, number send it. and I've got one through 25. I don't let's know. See, if, what, see, what, see what we got. Let's see if you hear this or if it's just gonna. Let's see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh, and of course I clicked a link that was for, uh, spam. It was not the spam. Perfect. Okay. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> Oh, yep, there we go. The Feel like I'm in Vegas. Spinning. Spinning. Spin. Ooh, okay, we've got number 24. So let's take a look. 
aerodynamic theory right off the bat. <laughs> oh boy! So we're going. That'll be, that'll be a fun one. We're going. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing my homework this week. That's the one in the notes. I even put lots of homework on the aerodynamic theory, but um... aerodynamic theory to kick it off. <laughs> hey, why not swing for the fences on the on your first one, huh? I think if we can do that one, I think we'll be all set from there. We might as well be talking. Other, the others are gonna be easy. Yeah, might as well be talking about how the sun works, but. Uh... Yeah, no, that'll be good. I think that'll be good, though, because like we talked about a little bit with uh, the ground effects and all the dirty air and stuff, all the aero plays into that. So, And we're not going to, this is not going to be a physics class on aerodynamics. This is going to be more of a how these cars gain speed through DRS and through their shaping and all that. So let's not be too afraid of aerodynamic theory, but. No, let's 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 get into it. We'll, we'll 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 simplify it as much as we can because it is a very complex topic. Um, it is one that I I actually really enjoy. I love the whole aerodynamic theory, um, just the way the airflow works and interacts with the car and different body surfaces. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to that one. And um, I know we got to get you out to the rink, there, Chief. Uh, for those of you that don't know out there listening, uh, Connor here is a part-time ice hockey goalie, which is... Um, which is codenamed for I'm also kind of a psychopath because <laughs> I enjoy standing in a net trying to defend an, a goal when I have rubber pucks being <laughs> shot at me at high speeds. That's what I pictured. So, He's the target you know, in target practice, you know? So Yeah, it, it takes a special kind of person to do what I do. So, so <laughs> Yeah, so I guess with that, well, uh, now that we know what we're talking about for homework next week for aerodynamic theory, and um, until we, we talk to you guys this weekend during Monaco and the Indy 500, as far as I'm concerned, that's all I've got. How about you, Connor? I think we've got it all out there. I think that was a pretty good episode that we just did and i look forward to talking to everybody this weekend if you tune in yeah same here so uh check us out f1 funcast instagram facebook twitter twitch youtube wherever just go google it or dog pilot whatever whatever your your choice is um, we'll be there we'll be there and we'll be ready to talk to you guys during the races so we hope to hear from you soon and until then, I guess that's the checkered flag, Chief. Wave it. Thank you for tuning in to the F1 Funcast. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at F1 Funcast across all social media platforms. You can find Connor, the crew chief Gagnon, at Connor Gagnon on Instagram. That's C-O-N-N-O-R-G-A-G-N-O-N. Follow him for some great stuff. And until next week, thank you for listening, and have a great week, everybody. Take care.